It's that time to spend a little bit of time on VLGA Connect talking about governance issues. And I'm serious when I say one of our more eagerly anticipated regular segments with Stephen Cooper, our commentator on Governance Matters. Hello, Stephen. Welcome again. Hello, Chris. Thank you for that introduction. How are you doing? <laughs> well, thank you. Excellent. I know you've been busy. We'll talk about some of why you've been busy in just a moment. I guess the big news on the governance front since we last spoke is that there is now no doubt the elections in Victoria for councils will proceed this year. Yes, Chris, the minister removed certainty, uh, uncertainty and announced that the elections are to take place on the 24th of October and that all councils will be using the postal voting system. Did you think that was a little cute, um, <laughs> the way they said, and, and because of COVID-19, will it all be in post? I mean, because the, the fact is most councils were going to be conducting the election by post, weren't they? I think if you'd, um, if you'd asked most pundits, they would have predicted postal voting. Um, not for me to say what was cute, but I did notice that the Minister um, also mentioned in the release that the Chief Health Officer has been consulted and uh, has attested that um, it'll be safe to conduct the elections on a postal voting system. Well, I have to say the Minister for Local Government, when we spoke to him, was very clear with us that he would be taking advice around uh, the health impacts and the easing of restrictions and monitoring what's happening more on a national level as well. And I don't think anyone should have been really surprised. No, not at all. Um, you know, there are circumstances under which we think the election can be conducted safely. Oh, Chris, and I would have thought realistically that um, attendance voting would have multiplied any COVID-related risk. So, again, no one would be too surprised by that. And, of course, you've just got to look to other states to see where that has been an issue and one that uh, all would want to avoid. So, for governance professionals, what does this mean, simply, Steve? I suspect um, most will have started. The proverbial duck will be, will be swinging, Chris. Um, because councils will have an election plan in place, moving through the process of assembling the voters' rolls, uh, nomination day and the nomination requirements. Um, there'll be contracts in place uh, or need to be put in place with the VEC to conduct the election. And of course, then you move through to the election period arrangements. The councils will need to adopt a policy as part of the governance rules. And then once the councillors are elected um, to put together an induction plan, so lots to do. Steve, I hate to sound like somebody's grandparent, but I remember back when we had to go through, you know, all these processes for letting contracts and determine who was going to do the election. And then you get to have to get a council resolution on the method of the election. Isn't it true that governance people these days have got it easy? Most of it. It's not like the good old days, Chrissy. Let's find four Yorkshiremen to talk about those old days. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So, look, the, the important thing is the elections are proceeding this year, and quite seriously, there are a lot of issues that need to be considered by councils, candidates, sitting councillors, governance professionals, etc. And we will expose some of those issues in the uh, lead up to the election, uh, which yes, is just what, f uh, five months away. Um, on a very serious matter, the Ombudsman has released a report into recruitment and selection processes at the City of Ballarat. I'm not sure we were expecting this report to turn up when it did, Steve. And fair to say, uh, there's some interesting reading in it, particularly for people involved in recruitment and selection processes in councils. Oh, a really important read, I think, Chris, for anyone in the sector. Um, I'm always struck when these reports drop about the impact on basically the humanity of those involved. Um, 
Um, it affects people's employment, uh, trust in workmates, uh, public trust in the organisations. Um, people can be really bruised, but there's ultimately a public good in these reports being, um, being released. Um, Chris, I think the other thing is too, we can, um, people will react to that, to a report like that on a scale, if you like. At one end, um, the newspapers will find the sensational elements and it's easy to slip into blame. Um, at the other end, um, sometimes when we don't like a report, it's easier to criticise the report rather than to look at the issues and the issues raised in this report are important. So um, what do you think people should be taking away from this particular issue? Steve, what are the lessons here? Um, I think in any, if you take a step back and look more broadly, um, it's important to look at the dynamics of organisations. Interestingly, Chris, in this same week, the Ombudsman's also dropped a report about nepotism in, uh, in the school system, which in effect is just another form of conflict of interest. So these issues aren't confined to local government, but what they say is that anyone in the public sector needs to be alert to the issues. Um, I quite like... Uh, phrase I heard once that, you know, it's not, it's not the conflict of interest. If you haven't got a conflict of interest, you're spending too much time in your lounge room. Although we're all spending a bit of time in the lounge room at the moment, Chris. Yeah, um, the issue COVID-19 definition. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But the issue is, do we have an environment where we've got people trained and able to speak up and alert to, uh, to raise the issues, I suppose. I think the other thing um, with the report is there's some fine detail that the Ombudsman has skirted over, but is worthy of really serious review by um, any practitioner in the sector. They touch on, for example, uh, use of credit cards, um, contract management, um, relationships between the organisation and the elected council, and matters that sort of go to the complexity of organisations like local government that run over a hundred different services. And sometimes that complexity and busyness can, um, can blindside us to uh, issues like conflict of interest. And it's that complexity that makes uh, the rules and the processes and the procedures that we have in place all the more important. And while it's, uh, it's easy sometimes to question why we have so many rules and processes in place, they do serve a purpose. Oh, absolutely, Chris. And it's the busyness that can blindside. And that's why it's really important that we talk about these things um, as often as possible um, at all levels of the organisation. Um, everyone plays a role, the council, the executive team, the management group and the staff group as well um, in ensuring that each of us is protected um, in relation to these issues. All right, I think enough said about that one for now, uh, Steve. We'll, we'll move on. You've been busy delivering uh, some workshops for potential candidates. This is about uh, preparing people for the potential task of being a councillor with the elections coming up later in the year. Yeah, Chris, um, and coincidentally, the road to Mildura and to Murrindindi looked remarkably similar this week as we did workshops from my lounge room, but uh, there was a terrific attendance and probably picking up from the point that uh, we were just discussing on the um, Ombudsman's report, uh, uh, one of the purposes of those workshops is to alert prospective candidates as to the role of councillor and how they manage some of that complexity, such as um, the relationship with the CEO, roles and functions of each and the importance of the council plan. Indeed. So what's the response and the attendance been like, Steve, so far? The attendance has been fabulous, Chris. Uh, we had close to 30 in Mildura. 
we had somewhere close to 15 at Murrindindi. Um, a handful from outside the municipality, but uh, in each case, lots of interested candidates or interested prospective candidates um, who asked some really good questions around um, the sort of stuff that no one talks about with local government unless you go to a session like that. And, and a good point you make too, you don't have to be uh, running for council in the council area that is hosting these sessions. You uh, can be from outside that area and still uh, participate and learn about the uh, the sector, about the role and the system that uh, applies because it's the same across the state. Absolutely. And um, Googling VLGA, the information about the sessions is available on the VLGA website and they're easy to log into. So people can do that. And without getting too bogged down, people might be aware that there is a new mandatory candidate training requirement in the Local Government Act. This is not that. It may well morph into it at some point down the track, but that training is yet to be uh, defined and determined, but it will come before the election. That's a really important point, Chris, and we're segueing beautifully here into our next topic because um, what we do know is that the uh, election regulations are imminent, so they're getting very close to um, being at a stage where they can be made by the minister. And presumably those re regulations will give some guidelines as to the conduct of the mandatory candidate training. And, and I understand some councils are intending to still conduct both. Once they are available, I'm sure we'll dissect them right here on the governance update, Steve. I'll look forward to that. With um, a forensic level of detail, Chris. Indeed. Or as Daryl Summers once said, an extremely fine scrut. Um, <laughs> to scrutinise. Um, the, uh, the other elements of the Act that are required to be implemented by the 1st of September, there's a lot of work happening behind the scenes in councils to give effect to those right now. Uh, Chris, and there's been some really promising signs um, from within local government, Victoria, in terms of an awareness that councils need uh, resource soon um, to enable um, uh, the work to commence about adopting particularly those elements uh, as part of their governance rules, but also that best practice needs to be identified. So we're you know, talking about a parallel process where as much information as possible will be released to the sector quite soon. I understand that councillor expense policy, governance rules, risk and audit committee uh, work um, is being currently undertaken at those two levels. Mm -hmm. um, public transparency policy and information regarding delegated committees, again, should be released imminently. And the co-design for councillor induction training and conflict of interest uh, kicks off on the 21st of May, but anyone that wants to get involved in that should just log on to the Engage website that Local Government Victoria are using. Steve, question without notice. We used to have Section 86 committees. Section 86 is about something completely different now, so what do we call them? Just delegated uh, committees, right? That was without notice, Chris. Thank you for that. Don't do that too often, please. Um, we call them delegated committees, but there's a distinction between committees that have delegated functions and those who are delegated to manage council assets. And maybe that's a topic for discussion some other day. Oh, very deftly handled. Very deftly handled. Thank you. On that note, I think uh, we'll give you a leave pass. Uh, lots to talk about as usual. Uh, and we look forward to catching up in another two weeks as the governance space just keeps uh, evolving, especially in an election year. Thanks, Steve.
Thanks, Chris. Steve Cooper with us on the Governance Update here on VLGA Connect. If you'd like to be part of a future show, if you have a suggestion for a future topic, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email to vlga at vlga.org.au. We'll see you again soon on VLGA Connect. <laughs>